1: Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chapel.
0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Jeff Abraham. Uh, Jeff, over the last four years, has transformed Promescent from a single product brand to a leader in his industry. It's backed by over 2,000 healthcare professionals in the U.S. alone and has sold over 1 million bottles. And if you're wondering what Promescent does, I'm going to go ahead and bring on Jeff, who is going to explain that. Jeff, what's up, man? Welcome to the show.
2: Uh, My pleasure to be here.
0: So as you heard in the intro, we kept a little bit of details out because I'd love to hear from you how you got into this business and what does Permescent do?
2: It's interesting. I tell people that Permescent number one is a sexual wellness company. And I tell people this, think of the most circuitous route possible to become the CEO of a sexual wellness company. <laughs> and no matter how bizarre you scenario you can come up with, no matter how crazy the scenario is, my story is more insane than the one you could possibly imagine. That's what I like to hear. Let's hear it. I was the CEO and founder of a semiconductor engineering recruiting business. And <laughs> I retired at age 53 and then became the CEO of Promescent. So I went from, you know, designing and making computer chips to a sexual wellness company. People are like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> well, sometimes life throws your curveball. You got to be able to hit the curve, you know? What happened was I was very fortunate. I had a lot of success in my semiconductor engineering business. And because I have some underlying uh, medical conditions, namely lupus and diabetes, I wanted to retire early. So I retired at age 53, knew I never had to work another day and I could live comfortably for the rest of my life. And it just so happened that my next door neighbor, good friend and doctor all rolled into one, Dr. Ronald Gilbert. I went in to see him in... uh, November, 2010 for a visit, you know, when you're over 50 going for your yearly physical PSA, you know, that kind of thing. And during my visit, he's like, Hey, I developed this company, this product. I'd really like your, you know, opinion, your expertise, blah, blah, blah. And the product was a male delay spray called Promessin. And so after asking for my opinion and explaining everything, I go, does this stuff actually work? He's like, Oh yeah, it works. It's legit. He was a urologist, very qualified urologist. And yeah. uh, So I asked him for a sample. I took it home. I tested it out with my partner at the time. And I was like, stuff actually works. (laughs) One thing led to another. I ended up investing in the company. I had just retired. And I will tell you, when you retire early at 53, you got to give it a lot of thought Mm. because I retired and I'd always been really busy. I was a single dad raising my son who had just turned 18 and left and went to college running the the business. was very successful. So I was busy 24-7. My son leaves for college. I decide to retire early. I went from being busy 24-7 having absolutely nothing to do, okay? (laughs) And I'd call one of my friends, go, hey, you want to go to San Diego for two days? I go, I have a job, you idiot. I go, oh, yeah, that's right. When you retire at 53 (laughs) and all your friends are 65, (laughs) you're like, what the hell do I do all day, okay? Everyone else is working. And so I was kind of bored and he was like, can you help us write us a business plan? I wrote him a business plan and it it wasn't genius. It was common sense. And, you know, doctors don't have, in some cases, they're great doctors, but they're not business. Like, oh my God, is this genius? I'm thinking, no, it's actually business, you know? Yeah, right. And so right. he asked me to write a second plan and I did. And they were like, well, this one takes a lot of extra money. It's going to take like four to 500K. And, you know, we don't have that kind of cash. I said, well, if you follow my instructions explicitly and put this money in an escrow account, do exactly what I want you to do with it. I'll raise that money. I'll do it. I'll take on that. And they were like, okay, great. So I did and they did. And the company really started to take off. And in uh, June of 2011, they asked me to take the company over. Mm -hmm. And I did. Basically,
0: basically, so after a little while of advising, consulting, helping with the plan, they were like, hey, man. You seem to know what you're doing, and we still don't. It would be better if you it just run this thing. much.
2: Yeah, you seem to have a flair for this, you know. And yeah, I'm like, well, I'm not a doctor, but I have been having sex for 35 years, so kind of I was practicing. You know, what I, I mean? got a little
0: experience. Yeah, got a little
2: experience, <laughs> not directly related, but you know, uh, I was on the periphery. You know, one
0: thing I want to just kind of t- pause for a second here, a little aside here. What principles do you think? you were able to install in a company that literally had nothing to do with what you were doing before, because obviously it had nothing to do with your past experience in terms of what you were doing for a living. Zero. Only was the principles that remain the same that are industry agnostic. Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Absolutely. I've told this to my son, who's now a very successful <laughs> businessman in his own right, but when he was growing up, because I used to take him to some semiconductor engineering trade shows and stuff. And and I said to him, I said, Nick, I said, let me tell you something. Very few times in life are you ever going to find yourself in a situation that the product or service that you have is so far superior that you're the only option out there. In most cases, I don't care whether you know you're selling, you know, picture frames, plants, lighting, cars, VC, whatever, whatever it is you're selling. Yeah, there generally are going to be a couple different options for the consumer, even if it's insurance, even if it's a service, you know what I mean, rather than a particular good. At the end of the day, unless you're in that very unique 1% class that your product is so superior, it's the only option out there, you have to do a couple things. Number one, make sure whatever it is you have is equivalent to what else is out there Mm. so that people have trust in it. After that, it's going to come down to who people trust and who they like. Okay, Mm. It's that simple. If All things being equal, if they go, you know, both choices that I have here are acceptable. If they don't trust you, they don't do business with you. If they trust both options, it's going to come down. Who do they really like to do business with? Who's charismatic? Who's funny? Who's entertaining? So that that hour every other week you spend, you go, wow, that was hilarious. The guy's interesting. We're talking about this. Because when my son went to me, went with me to some of these semiconductor shows, he's like, dad, I know you've always been successful. I see, you know, we live a very good life and everything. But I didn't realize that in this industry, you're like a rock star. He goes, we go to these shows. And I said, Nick, these are all semiconductor engineers. that are all PhDs and electrical, mechanical engineers. And all they do is sit there and design integrated circuits all day. You know, <laughs> they love the idea. Someone has a sense of humor, has a little chutzpah, has a little, you know, personality, you know? And yeah. I said, but don't get me wrong. If I didn't have the goods, if I wasn't very competent at what I did, that go, hey, you know, I'll go out and be entertained by the guy. I'm not doing business with him. I said, but once you have established yourself as a credible source or a credible option, after that, it comes down, A, they have to trust you. If they can't trust you and they think you're unethical, they're not going to do business with you. But once that's established and you are an acceptable choice, people do business with people they like. People do business with people they find entertaining and engaging and fun. And I've just always had a flair for being gregarious and open. And because I truly like people, I really like learning about other people's background. I've always been kind of an amateur comedian, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. To me, life is short. It's not a dress rehearsal. Enjoy it, laugh, have fun. You know, there's nothing wrong with making light of certain things. As long as you don't do it, you know, picking on someone, bullying on someone or trying to destroy someone's self-esteem. Sure. That being said, being self deprecating, people love too, because they know you don't take yourself too seriously mm-hmm. and they can relax and enjoy themselves. So, for me, part of my success in both businesses that I started or took over and pretty much established, it really came down to number one, always being ethical. I've never done anything unethical in my entire life. It's just, I'm not wired that way. I've always believed you have success, but you cheat, steal, lie, whatever. It's not really success. You can't be proud of it. Sure. You know? Plus, I find people to spend more time on scamming their way to the top than they would have doing it the right way. And then you have to be embarrassed <laughs> on what you did. So I think- and, for then, me, and
0: then you get to the end of your career and nobody likes you, which that's is that's exactly, really You get to the end, it's going
2: to happen like a testimonial. People are like, good riddance. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. I hope that guy gets it by lightning. Uh, <laughs> but For me, the basic fundamental tenets are, there's three things. Number one, make sure you have a product that is- equal or better than whatever else is out there. Okay. Cause if you're inferior, I don't care how engaging it is. That product sucks. I'm not using it.
0: Yeah. You so might be, you one, might be able to get somebody in the door, but you're not going to keep them there.
2: That's exactly right. So number yeah. one, make sure you have an equivalent or superior product. Number two, make sure your ethics are beyond reproach. Make sure that people know that you're ethical and they can trust you. Number three, be likable and entertaining then people look forward to doing business with you. They go, wow, this guy, I get my little entertainment along with whatever it is I'm purchasing or I'm using. And what's really helped us in my present company with Promescent, you know, some cases you're defined by your competition. You know, I wish I was kidding when I tell you this, but when we first all we had was our male delay spray. It was the best thing on the market because it was developed by a urologist who followed science. But when I took over the company, it was with the understanding I want complete control because I told them, the guy who was my predecessor, who was Ron's high school college friend, you know, this kind of thing, and he had had success in a couple other businesses. He took it over. He literally was running infomercials and buy one, get one free, and, you know, kind of like in the Enzyme and, you know, all these like knockoff gas station type things. Yeah. And I was yeah. like puzzled. I'm like, you have a superior product with serious medical credibility. Right. Let's take our money and do a clinical trial to show how good the product is. Let's go to the medical community. So I brought an elegance to the product that didn't exist before. I changed mm. the packaging. I changed the messaging, everything about it. Yeah. I literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, went out and did clinical trials, not because we've already had FDA compliance to show the efficacy, show how broad the product worked. Instead of running an infomercial, how about giving people the confidence to look at a Clinical trial from the University of Kentucky Sexual Wellness Center that says this is the superior product in the space. That's a good investment. So I literally took the company and turned it on its ear. And the only thing that two years after I took it over that remained from when I initially got involved was the actual product, the liquid inside the bottle that we used, the packaging that we mm. used, the messaging, the marketing, changed everything to show people this was a cut above. This was yeah. something that, you know, don't get down in the muck, rise above, you know, you don't go for that instant gratification because someone goes, Oh my God, I saw this commercial. You want to establish credibility to get the right people buying the product for the right reason. And just as important using it correctly. So they would have a satisfactory experience, not only to become repeat customers, but to tell others about it. Mm, So that was really crucial. And what I did was when I took over the company, the name of the company, the product was called Promescent, but the name of the company was g Brands. And I was like, g Brands, where's that come from? And I go, it sounds like a chicken soup company. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you go up to visit a doctor. Or if you go, I'm from G&H Brands. They go, oh, the cafeteria to the hospitals around back. You're delivering yeah. <laughs> the uh, condiments, g Brands. And it stood for Gilbert and Helphen, which was the two guys. I go, no, 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 this isn't about ego. We don't want names in here. I go, we're changing the name of the company to absorption pharmaceuticals. And the reason I did that, because what makes us unique, there had been some other lidocaine based sprays for PE and lasting longer had been out there. And they did allow a man to last longer, but the drawback, they numbed you and they (laughs) transferred your partner and numbed your partner. I tell people, you know, okay, it, provided a longer lasting sexual experience but you might as well go take a spin class or a yoga class hot <laughs> yoga everybody's moving and sweating but no one's climaxing i mean i don't know about you but for me the whole idea of putting the work in is to have the finish and the climax you know and if you take that all right
0: you're not wrong jeff purpose yeah <laughs> you're, you're i didn't think wrong.
2: so so what the, the the reason why i changed the name to absorption pharmaceuticals okay the layer of skin, What this is my hand, obviously, but it's your penis, you know, what we're using it on. So you apply the product, and in its natural form, lidocaine is a crystal. It's a solid. It sits on the surface. So this eutectic formula that Ron had developed, it changes the crystalline structure of lidocaine from a solid to an oil aqueous form. When it does that, it penetrates the dermis or stratum corneum, so it goes subdermal, meaning all the lidocaine goes beneath the surface. So you wait seven minutes, the man maintains a much higher degree of surface sensitivity and it doesn't transfer to the partner, which allows Hmm. you to still have pleasure, but last longer, you know, those kind of things. And then we worked with a lot of therapists, Dr. Laura Berman, Dr. Ian Kerner, a lot of urologists. We have right now over 2,200 clinicians, medical professionals that recommend us by name. So That's how you build a company. You don't start slinging around infomercials. People go, it's another one of those. We literally said, we're going to differentiate ourselves. We're going to show people the science behind this. We're going to show people clinical studies that show why it's superior. We're going to have people like Dr. Ian uh, Kerner, Dr. Laura Berman, Dr. Emily Morris, you know, Wayne Hellstrom, Larry Levine. These are some of the top urologists in the United States on our website, giving video testimonials. So, for us, it was all about, this is a serious part of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, people spend so much time going to the gym, making sure they look good, making sure that their bodies are toned, you know, healthy. People make so much time with cosmetic surgery, making sure that they look younger. People spend so much time being on keto diets and paleo diets and every other kind of weight loss thing. I want to stay healthy. I want to do this. You know, when it comes to their sex life and their sexual health, it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to admit that, you know, I want to maximize it. There's a lot of ego involved and there's a lot of shame. Shame.
0: Yeah, I was going to say shame's the word. Yeah, Yeah. for sure.
2: Here's the thing I say a lot and it really resonates with people. And you'll laugh because it's so simple. I don't know why anyone before me never thought about this, but I say it. People are like, oh, whoa, that's revolutionary. But I never thought of it that way. I'm like, it's common sense. Have you ever run into a diabetic that was ashamed to take insulin? No. Have you ever run into anyone who had cancer who was ashamed that they took chemo? No. Okay. There, we are aware of, and the medical community recognizes over five different physiological factors that cause a man to rapidly or prematurely ejaculate, including but not limited to hypersensitivity, the penile nerves, prostatitis, low testosterone. So why is there this stigma? Oh, my God, he's seeking help. You know, like it's in 80% of cases, it's something physical that's causing that. Why wouldn't you want to mitigate that if you had a chance to last longer? But let's step out of PE. Let's talk about normal, healthy males, normal, healthy adults. The average normal, healthy male lasts five minutes and 42 seconds during penetration or thrusting during intercourse. The average female takes 18 minutes of thrusting to climax. There's a, a medical term for it. They call it the arousal gap. Hmm. That's why guys stop, start, think about baseball scores. You know, every guy at one point or another went, oh, my God, I hope she doesn't go reverse calgir. I can't last in that position. You know, uh, you know, there's all these coping mechanisms. Why do you yeah. think there's 7 trillion vibrators in the world? OK, yeah. these are all things people do to close that gap. Yeah. So the fact that occasionally people go, you know, I might want a little bit of an insurance policy to make sure. And there are people that, that suffer from rapid ejaculation periodically. It's not consistent. When you're with a new partner for the first time, there's heightened awareness. There's heightened sensitivity because you don't know that when I do this, she does this. When you get into a routine, there's not a lot of heightened sensitivity. I always <laughs> laugh. I still so, say to my friends, because I've never been married, like some of my friends have been married 30 years. I'm like, is it still like exciting? Oh, yeah, kind of, you know what I mean? And I understand some cases you trade familiarity for sure. the contentment and security. And trust me, being single, there's times I'm like, I wish I had a really steady, you know, intelligent girlfriend that I really, you know, could share some of my, you know, life experiences with as sure. opposed yeah. to a string of, you know, people that are transactional, you know what I mean? Like, right. oh, you treat me so well, take me to nice restaurants. Okay, we'll have a relationship, you know, that kind of thing. But it's It's a situation that people have to find what's comfortable for them Mm -hmm. and they get into their own routine. But there's a lot of people that will say, if for some reason I travel for two weeks, I came home, my wife had a yeast infection, she was sick and we haven't had sex in a month. Because I haven't had a release in a month, I tend to, you know, shoot a little bit quicker. They'll go, I use your product in those situations. There are other people go, I use it every single time because it's going to be kind of awkward with my girlfriend. If one time I last 25 minutes, the next time I last two, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the expectation, we have some people, we have testimonials from people that use our product will go, you know, I really even think that I needed a product, but I saw the ad and I was like on your site and I was buying some lubes and some nitric oxide supplements and some condoms like, Oh, let me try this. They go, but you know, what's weird. I really didn't think about it, but even though I didn't feel like I needed it because I usually lasted long enough to satisfy my partner, the last 2 to 3 minutes I was like walking on eggshells. Oh my god, not yet. She hasn't finished yet. Oh my god, not yet. Oh, no, no. you know, and they go now it's like there's no worry. Might go now the equation is do I can I last long enough? It's now changed. Do I want to give her two orgasms or three yeah. before I'm How done? How many? How many are we How going many? for? Yeah. Instead of if. <laughs> and I go, yeah, no, that's one of the things because I tell people a rough analogy is in some cases a lot of people go, why am I paying this, you know, $600 a year for fire insurance on my house? I don't think my house is going to burn down. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you come home one day and your house is on fire halfway down. You can't call the insurance company. And go, hey, Can I put some fire insurance on this house? Uh, wait, what did I hear in the background? Sounds like it flames, you know, like <laughs> it's a little late. And I tell people. If you're in the middle of intercourse, you're going, oh, my God, I'm about to ejaculate because everyone knows that feeling of inevitability. It's too late. It's too early. It's like you can't go, wait, hang on.
0: Can't call the insurance company. Can't call
2: the insurance (laughs) company at that point. So, you know, it's a situation that we feel that education is key. And I received a lot of criticism early on from our website. People go, is that an educational site? Is that a university site? Are you trying to sell product? What are you talking about? They go, there's clinical trials. There's physician testimonials. There's studies, there's blogs. I go, we believe that the key to our success is getting the right person with the need to the site. We want them to make sure they're buying the right product. We want to make sure they're using it correctly because we want repeat customers. We don't want a bunch of people that all buy the product one time and never come back because then every day you wake up going, we got to find another 200 people to buy our product that aren't going to be happy as opposed to starting every day with going, we have 150 people that are coming back every day Yeah, customers. Now we need another 50. And out of those, another 10, 20 or 30, those are going to come back on a regular basis. That's how you grow. And every year you get bigger.
0: Yeah, let me ask you this. So you said kind of at the beginning, you were putting in about a half a million dollars or so to get things off the ground. Was all of this going to clinical trials, doctors' opinions, things like that, or was some of this going to sales and marketing as well? You obviously have spent a lot of time thinking about the product, and you can you can sell it, you can market it. I'm sure you put in a lot of campaigns in in the last few years, but I'm curious on the first like. Two to three years of you taking over the company, how much of your time was focused on let's let's build the best possible product with the best possible credibility, news sources, uh, clinicians saying that we're the best ones, let the product grow by itself and then we can pour fuel on the fire after we have some traction. What was the strategy?
2: That's the X. Ex- no one's ever asked me that on a podcast before. And that is so relevant because. I literally went early on. We had to get some sales because we wanted to prove viability and if we had to raise a little bit of money, we also had to show that we were viable. So mm-hmm. it was probably 80% 20%. 80% building. You know, believe it or not, we didn't even have a certified manufacturing facility in place when I first took over. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll go do it here and we don't even have a, you know, a CMP process, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I've probably spent 80% of my initial money and time building. We didn't even have patents. I had to go apply and put the patents in place. And that is massively expensive. Then we had to worry about getting a robust manufacturing process, making sure we had all pharmaceutical grade products and everything. So the first two to three years was all about no instant gratification. We have to make sure, because if you plan on being successful, do you want to go, holy shit, our our manufacturing process isn't stable. We're not going to have a steady flow. We're bouncing around between different people. So I always knew that we had a chance to be successful. So I kind of begged, borrowed and stole my way into the first really major manufacturing facility we had because I went back and well, I shouldn't say went back. I went initially to three different places and one was my first choice because they were big and they could, we could grow with them to do millions of bottles a year without needing someone new. The other ones we knew would be successful to a point then would have to go find someone bigger. So I really wanted them and I went Flew to their facility in North Carolina, did this whole dog and pony show. And they called back, and said, man, we love you. We love your product, but you're not big enough yet. You know, come to us in two years when you're bigger and we'll make your product. And I thought about it and I'm like, no. OK, then that means I got to go through this whole thing again. I got to pay another one hundred seventy five thousand dollars in validation runs. I sent him an email. I said, you know, you're right. We are going to be big. We're not quite big yet. But I got news for you two years. So I'm going to be too busy selling product to come back and do this dog and pony show again. I said, I'm willing to give you a 50% increase because to me, the profitability of the cost wasn't as important initially, okay? It was getting the right components in place and putting a robust manufacturing process in place that I could then look the other way and go, that's handled, move on to the next thing. I -hmm. said, I'll pay you a premium until we get the volumes that you need. But if you're not willing to work with us now, I'm not coming back to you. I'll find someone right now.
0: A 50% premium, you said.
2: 50, five Oh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that got their attention. It sounds like, yeah, well, I got their attention, but I'll never forget the CEO called me back and goes, you know, if I hadn't met you in person and I hadn't gone out to dinner and spent time with you, I would have been like this arrogant SOB, but (laughs) I know that that's from your heart. And I know that you're going to make this successful. He goes, we'll do it. And he goes, I'm not even going to charge you the 50% premium. I don't feel right doing that. He goes, I am going to bank on eventually long term, we're going to benefit from this. And I believe in you. So we'll do your stuff. And I was thrilled. And yeah. it worked out really, really well because then I could go, okay, our manufacturing process is robust. It's, you know, it's done. Right. That part we can bank on. Then I focus my attention on the intellectual property, getting that all buttoned up and then imaging. And then once we had the message and the medical credibility, I go, now it's time to start scaling the sales up. Yeah. We didn't really do that in earnest outside of the medical community till probably 2018. Wow. And that's when it was
0: all only like doctors literally telling people, you should just
2: go check out Promessa. Absolutely. Our first two to three years, 95% of our business was doctors telling their patients. And that gave us a really solid fundamental base. So to this day, we still get tons of business from doctors who know we're the best thing out there. But The way that the industry is going and the way that people are self-diagnosing and going on the internet, you cannot ignore that aspect of it now Mm -hmm. because so many people listen to influencers, you know, go on blogs. They don't even go to doctors anymore. You know, it's like they have telemedicine, you know, that type of thing. So you want people, yeah, we just, it's funny, this is very ironic timing, me doing your you know, podcast today because this Monday we just started national TV commercials first time. Mm, So they're just starting. I have a bunch of tests going, I just saw you guys on TV. I'm like, yeah, they're like, oh my God. Because it's funny in a business, you reach certain milestones, you know, we did this. uh, You ever see car wraps where Mm -hmm. they have a car wrapped? I remember we did that two years ago and I had people going, taking pictures, go, I just saw this freaking car. And I'm like, yeah, we did this in certain cities, you know, (laughs) and then I remember I did a couple episodes of the Adam Carolla podcast and oh, you know, nice. Dr. Drew and stuff like people are like, Oh my God, I heard you, you know, this. And, and I, a couple of people said, my God, will I eventually ever see you guys on television? I'm like, yeah, you will. They go, no, I go, Oh yeah, you will. And then sure enough, boom, here we are, you know? Yeah. And so it's gratifying when you reach that next stage, there's always that next stage, you know, no matter where you go. Cause initially, you know, when you're going, okay, we sold you know, 2,000 bottles our first year. And people go, do you ever think you can sell 10,000? I go, absolutely. Then you sell 30,000. Then you sell 50,000. And I'll never forget sometimes when people would say to me, oh, my God, you grew 100%. You know, you went from 500,000 to a million. Do you think you can do 2 million? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? We'll do over that next year. I go, what do you mean? I go, it's harder to grow from 50,000 to 100,000. It is from a million to 2 million. Mm-hmm. For this reason, when you're doing 50,000, you're still hemorrhaging You know, cash, you know what I mean? You're not profitable yet between everything. And you have to be so careful and you don't really have a reputation. But then you go from 1 million to 2 million. You go, people have heard of us now. We have this reputation. You go to our website, you see Mm, these doctor testimonials. Then you go from 2 to 4 million. People go, you think you might go from 4 to 5 million? I go, no, we'll go from 4 to 8. They'll go, what? I go, it's like that snowball rolling downhill. You know what I mean? When you have a good product, now you have a bad product, eventually you run out of everyone to use it one time. Sure. When you have a good product, you get to a point where it starts feeding on itself because I never believed this because I know for me, I do my homework. If I find something I like, I'll buy it. But you have no idea how many times on our customer surveys, on our website, where we'll say, how did you find us?" And about 20% of people fill those out. And they'll say, oh, I heard you know your CEO on you know, Adam Carolla, then I heard him on this, then I saw this, then I saw this. And finally I went, I'm going, oh my God, that's stuff that people say about three, four, five times is true. That in some cases with a lot of people, I don't trust it. I heard it. Oh, second time, oh, what is this? Third time, wait, this is really vile. Fourth time, okay, I'm buying it. You know, for me, I do my homework. If I find something, if I've only seen it once, I'll go do my homework. If I think it's great, I'll buy it. But the average consumer sometimes needs three or four touch points.
0: Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need a hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the clear common theme since you jumped into the company was basically shifting it from a short-term one-time product purchase and turning it into a long-term brand building play, essentially, where you didn't just come into the market and then provide an alternative to a bunch of other products that existed that it can be compared to. But you went in and built the brand so well that you've literally now created a market that's your own market that you exist inside of by yourself. There's not real... There's competition, quote unquote, but nobody's doing it the same way that you're doing it, which enables you to be able to keep your margins clean. You don't have to give discounts and you don't have to do the cheap, you know, buy one, get five free thing. And you don't have to do the butt weight. We don't discount
2: anything ever. And I tell people because people say, you know, I love your product. I love this. I love that. You guys are awesome. Why don't you discount it? My answer is we don't have to. Okay. right. And one of the reasons why we have clinical trials, one of the reasons why we have top-notch manufacturing. One of the reasons we have pharmaceutical-grade ingredients is because we keep our profit margins where they need to be. Plus, the majority of our sales still comes from our own website. Mm -hmm. And that's important for keeping your margins as robust as possible. Now, we also have a very good presence on Amazon. We also do well at you know, Rite Aid for our delay spray at Target. We have some at Walmart, selected Walmart stores. So we are available in retail and everything else, but we still have a very robust website where you go to our website. One of the things that's really unique and you're touching on everything. And it's funny, no one ever asked me these questions. It's always like fluff questions, you know? (laughs) But so we started with all we had was mail delay spray. Then the next thing we went into were ludes. People go, what made you go into ludes? I go, because I talked to my customers. Everyone kept saying, you know, when I was lasting 38 seconds, I didn't really need a lube. Now I'm lasting 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> what do you recommend? And I go, well, I'll try this. Cause I heard good things. Like, ah, it's okay. But they go, why don't you guys make a lube? I go, well, okay. Yeah. So we yeah. first, we developed this water lube and we put it on our website. It freaking started selling immediately. I was like, what? Yeah. So I sent out a bunch of emails. I was like, Hey, what made you have the confidence to buy a lube from us? They go, cause your guys' products are excellent. And you stand yeah. behind them. I go, Whoa. And then, We went into silicone lube, then we went into aloe vera, organic lube, and they all really worked. And then a couple women who were buying product for their significant other said, hey, what about something for women? How about a female arousal gel? And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. So I started asking around. People go, well, there's some out there. You know, so we tried some and we start working. And, you know, my girlfriend at the time is like, you know, I think this is a really big market, something warming that would, you know, help stimulate blood flow. So we introduced this female arousal gel. It took off immediately. I mean, Mm. and I'm like, well, it does make sense because a lot of guys come to our site. They want their partner to be revved up as well, you know? Sure. Yeah. And then I wish that I could say I was a genius, but I'm not. One of our doctors said to me one time, Hey, I developed this nitric oxide product that promotes blood flow. Mm. And I'm like, really? I go, I've heard a nitric pot. Side products for working out. He goes, it's basically the same thing. But think about it, guys like because it gives them a pump because of additional blood flow. But what it also does, it helps you recover from inflammation because that's how you recover when you have inflammation from working out or stress. Is you get oxygenated, rich blood into the area, which helps it heal. Hmm. He goes, not only that, he goes, it helps blood flow, and what's an erection? Blood flow. It's not going to. Vitaflux is our product. It's not going to give you an erection if you're impotent. It's not like Viagra, or Levitra, but it'll give you that extra 5%, which for a lot of people, they love just to feel like they're 18 again. Sure. And it also helps you recover from workouts. One of the amazing things is nitric oxide supplements soften the epithelial layer. Every artery and every vein in your body is covered by an epithelial layer. What that does, it keeps the bad stuff out, bacteria, viruses, allows the good stuff, vitamins, nutrients, hormones in. When you age, the epithelial layer hardens. Hmm. Now, it makes it even better keeping the bad stuff out, but it also, unfortunately, keeps the good stuff out. So vitamins, minerals, and hormones have trouble absorbing. That's why when people reach middle age, they start having a percent less muscle and a percent more body fat every year. So I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. So I go, this stuff work? He goes, yeah. I go, let me try a bottle. Sure enough. I'm like, oh, my God. So he was in, just like with our product. He was a doctor without a lot of business sense. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, this stuff is freaking awesome. Yeah. Next thing you know, we private labeled it and we start selling it. And it went insane. So one of my neighbors, who's one of my good friends, loves all of our products. He starts using it. So he calls me a couple months later. He's like, Jeff, I go, what? I won't say his name or his wife's name. But he goes, my wife. He goes, we need something for her. I go, what are you talking about? Cause I, it wasn't on my mind that he started using Vitaflux. He goes, my libido's through the roof. He goes with this stuff. He goes, I feel like I'm freaking in college again. He goes, my wife's libido can't keep up. He goes, if we don't find something for her, he goes, I'm going to be hopping on my maid. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, <laughs> we don't want that. You know, you have a yeah, great I'm going to be divorced you know?
0: pretty quickly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he's like, <clears throat> find out. So I called the same doctor that developed it and I go, Hey doctor, I go, you know, I have a really good friend who loves our product, but he needs something for his wife. And he starts laughing. I go, what are you laughing at? He goes, VitaFlux. I'm like, what? He goes, Jeff, it has the same effect on women. It does with men. I go, you're kidding me. He goes, no. He goes, not only that, there's another benefit. I go, what's that? He goes, a lot of women, when they go through menopause and they reach middle age, late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, they stop naturally lubricating. They get very dry. And I've experienced that with some of the women that I dated that they go, man, when I reached menopause, And what happens is when your hormones don't absorb when you're female, not only do you gain a little bit of body weight, lose muscle, but because the hormones don't absorb, you lose the ability to naturally lubricate. So when women take VitaFlux, not only does their libido go up and their energy level goes up, they also start having much more lubrication, which a lot of people like because even if you know, academically and you know mentally, you go, well, it's not that I'm not aroused. It's because I don't have the proper hormone absorption. When your partner reaches down and you're making love you know, or before you do it, you feel dry. It's like, oh, aren't you turning me on? And a woman's like self-conscious. I mean, I'm the CEO of this company. I understand that. And if I'm with a woman and I know she's like in her mid 40s, and I feel her getting dry. I'm like, oh my God, did she turn? I go, wait, I know better. And I still feel that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's a psychological thing that women want to moisturize naturally. They don't want to have to have a tube of lube next to the bed Never, you know, sure. really lube up. So that product went nuts for women. And yeah. then we added condoms and, you know, massage oils. And it's funny because every time we add a product, you know, we're like, oh my God, do we have to do a separate advertising budget? Do we, I go, no, just put it on the site. Let's see what happens. And it's crazy. We put it on the site. It immediately sells. And we send out an email, hey, what gave you the confidence to buy? It comes back like the exact same person wrote it every time. If it's on this site, we know it's quality. We know you stand by it 100%, so mm. I'm going to buy it. And you know what A absolute bonus it is to be have a company go, every time we introduce a new product, we don't have to have a separate not campaign, a separate advertising. All we do is put it on our site and it sells. But the key is, and this is the mantra, this is something, any listener needs to understand. In any business, you have to have a formula. In any business, you have to have kind of a mantra. What is the basis of this company? Mm -hmm. What really and truly sets us apart? What is our differentiator? And people ask me, because we now have a whole line of vibrators that have been very successful. We have everything. And people ask me, how many new products are you going to introduce this year? I go, I don't know, somewhere between zero and five. What? what about the next five years? Somewhere between zero and 25. And they go, what do you mean? I go, let me tell you something. Here's our mantra. If there's an area we feel that we can serve, we have to have a product that is as good, if not better than anything else in that category. If we can develop that and it's cost-effective, we will introduce that product. If we don't feel that way, we will never introduce another product because the first time we put something substandard on there, something that's a me too, just, you mm. know, some knockoff yeah. and people buy, they're going to go, Oh, I don't have that trust that I had. Breaks
0: We're, that trust. Yeah.
2: That's you can never violate that trust. You never get it back. So we've had people that have products and they go, we developed this product. We think it's going to be, not, but rather than us have to go through and develop a market. We just want to put it on your site. You guys can brand it, send it over. We need to try it. And if it's something we think is viable, something we think is good, if not better, then we'll do it. Yeah. If not, sayonara. Well, sure. we'll give you 90% margins. I like, go, oh, you can give me 100% margins. I'm not putting it on there. Right. I'm not ruining the brand. I'm not exactly. ruining the reputation. It took us freaking 10 years to build this. <laughs> it's not for sale. Okay. Right. Right. It's that simple. And I don't know. It's, it's it's humbling when you get to a point where people go, we want to use your brand you know, right. to introduce our product because we know that you guys are a cut above and you guys are, you know, regarded as, you know, something special. And I tell people that's a tribute to Ron, Dr. Gilbert, the guy who founded this company. Yeah. He was a true, just
0: out of curiosity. What's his involvement now?
2: It's funny. You'd ask not to bum you out. This is just tragic. He was murdered in a case of mistaken identity in 2013. In fact, we're coming up on the anniversary that January 27, 2013, some guy who had a, Prostate surgery 23 years prior decided he was going to kill the doctor that did the surgery. So that's going on 31 years now, because it's eight years ago. He went to the VA. It was a VA thing. Said, I want to see my records. And they didn't have the physical records. They said they're on microfish. You're not old enough to remember what microfish is, but you used to go to the library before they had the internet. And then, you know, you had to scroll through. It was like cellophane. So he went to the VA headquarters and looked up and got the name wrong. Uh. and made an appointment to see Ron and murdered the wrong guy. And wow. it was very difficult. I mean, I had done this. I'd already retired. I didn't need this. Okay. It wasn't like I go, oh my God, this is my chance to make it big. I, I was comfortable. I could live the rest of my life. And I almost left. And I, because I, to me, bringing him the joy and satisfaction of making this company successful and allowing him to see it was yeah. really something that I enjoyed. Yeah. But I was in my office in Huntington Beach and that's where we both lived. And this was in March of 2013. And I started to cry. I was so upset because as a society, we tend to make more out of people in death than they are in life. Someone dies, and oh my God, he's the greatest thing in the world. And you're like, wait, I knew that guy. Okay, don't go overboard. He was a good guy. But seriously, Ron was the guy you didn't have to do that with. He was literally one of the most ethical, kind, Mm. Low ego human beings I ever met. He was a successful doctor, but he's a wonderful human being. And I guess for the longest time I tried to figure it out, you know what? Then I realized I'm rational. I'm sane. A rational, sane person cannot make sense of an irrational or insane person because mm. I'm not insane. I don't know how an insane mind works. Right. But it came to me that I couldn't bring him back. I couldn't unring the bell. There's nothing I could do to undo what had happened. But there were two things in my control. Number one was to give him a legacy to make this company successful so that people would go, that was Dr. Gilbert's company. Dr. Gilbert was a good guy. I want to be like Dr. Ronald Gilbert. I want to put my patients first because there's a lot of greed in medicine now. That's number one. Number two, his wife and his two sons are some of the classiest, most gracious human beings I've ever met. I see the pain in them to this day when I talk to them, when I see them. Every meal they ever have, there'll be an empty chair. Every time the boys, one of them just got married, then he had his first son. Even on those joyous occasions, there's a feeling like there's someone missing that should be here. You know, when you're taken away in that regard, like he was, if it was a plane crash or a car wreck, there's a certain sorrow and it's tragic, but you almost feel like it's this act of God. It's like random, you know? But in this case, there's a feeling like, he could and should still be here. Okay, right. this is insane. This it was a senseless
0: yeah, so, occurrence.
2: Yes, exactly. So to me, I want to give him a legacy and make sure people knew what a tremendous human being he was. And also, the more successful the company comes, the greater the stake. His wife and his two sons still own a great share of this company. So I can pay them dividends every year and upon the sale of the company, make sure they're comfortable for the rest of their life. So for me, the only two things in my control were to give him a legacy and to provide for his family. You know, those are the, I can't bring him back. I can't undo it. I can't like, yeah. there's nothing else I can do. So I want to do the two things that I have control over. And the only two things I have control over are giving him a legacy and providing for his family. Yeah. And fortunately I've been able to do both. And I feel a certain sense of satisfaction in that. And I tell people, you know, that that's really meant something. And they go, oh, why? Would he have been done the same thing for Nick, your son? I go undoubtedly he would have. Yeah, that's not yeah. why I'm doing it. It's not like oh well, I feel a sense of obligation. I almost feel it's an honor because he was such a good man, and what happened to him was so tragic that I want people to remember who he was. I've I've contacted UC Irvine. He's a graduate of UC Irvine Medical School. Mm. So out of the proceeds of what I own of the company, when this company sells, I'm creating a couple scholarships in the medical. Mm school there. That's awesome. But to get the scholarship, once you get chosen, you have to have dinner or lunch with me. So I can explain to you who he was, what he was all about. So hopefully to instill those same values indicate patient care and real medicine above strictly the dollars involved, because that's who he was.
0: Well, Jeff, this has been a really fun conversation. I uh, didn't know uh, quite where we were going to take it, but I'm glad that uh, we ended up where we went. Last question for you, man. What's next for, for you, for Promescent? Where were you guys headed? You looking for a sale? You looking for new, you know, marketing channels? Like what, what's kind of next? We're always keeping roadmap. our
2: options open for new marketing channels. We just launched in this past year in GNC with a number of our products and with our delay spray in a thousand Walmart stores. What we want next is to get all 5,000 Walmart stores by continuing good sales to continue to build out that retail network. That's important. We just introduced a promescent wipe, delay wipe, because we have the delay spray. But in some cases, you're going to a club for tonight, you want to carry a little bottle around with you, you know what I mean? So that's a separate market. So we're constantly looking to expand our product line, but make no mistake about it, this company has the potential to be a billion dollar a year company, because this space is huge, and it's enormous, and our products are really solid. But we're not going to do that. I'm too old and too tired at this point to do that myself. So we're looking to probably grow another. 70 to 80% this year, and then put this in the hands of a big company that has the wherewithal to just plug it in. Mm. And it was funny because when all we have is a male delay spray, the only thing available to us was somebody who already had a sexual wellness line and go, hey, this is a good complement to what we have. But now that we've built out an entire sexual wellness line, we can go to a big company that's not even in sexual wellness. They might be in beauty, they might be in food or whatever, and go, hey, we want to get into sexual wellness. Here's a company that has a complete line of products. Yeah. So for us, we are going to get acquired in the next 18 months to two years. We are very, very solid. We're growing. We're ethical. We're profitable. This is a good company. And we're just scratching the surface of where we could be. But I don't want to build a company over the next 10 years. I'm about to turn 65, okay? I would much rather turn this over to somebody. That had the wherewithal to just you know blow it up almost immediately and have the satisfaction of them continuing it, but keeping the values that we developed in line. That's important. We don't want to be one of these gas station, you know, convenience store boner pill kind of a thing where you you know. And then you find out some of these companies. I mean, there's a company that I see advertised, and I was reading about this online called Green Lumber, and there's a supposed you know, like herbal medication for ED. And I saw where they got busted for they had sildenafil in their product. So they got fined and, you know, now supposedly they're selling again. Sidenafel is an RX product. And it's the reason it's a prescription. It can kill people, have heart conditions, okay? Uh-huh. That is so egregious to me yeah. that we go the opposite. We go above and beyond to make sure everything is in compliance, I don't know how you can go. Some sedenafil accidentally fell on our herbal ED medication, okay? <laughs> I'm like, how does that happen, okay? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the cynic in me wants to go, well, we want to make sure people do. That's not okay, okay? Right. That's not all right right to somehow have somebody, even if it's someone in your organization, go, there has to be some safety measure in place where you go, we can't put dangerous drugs in an herbal product. Right. So we want to find a partner that shares the vision that we have and they're out there and the right one will come along. And when it does, it'll happen and everyone will be better off for it.
0: Well, Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time today, man. This is a lot of fun. I know you're in Vegas as, as, as am I. So maybe one of these days we can get together and let's
2: do it for sure. Chop it up over some
0: dinner or something. So
2: no, I um, I would look forward to it. I'll tell you, you asked me some questions that I've done over a hundred podcasts that no one's ever asked. And they're legitimate, obvious business questions, you know. Like everyone, uh, I I do interviews. Everyone, hey, you ever met Emily Morris? What's she like in person? Hey, you know, (laughs) I saw Johnny Sins like endorsing your product. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't really have anything to do with who we are, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And how we've grown and what our principles are. Those are the questions I like.
0: Good, good. I'm glad, glad we're able to chop it up a little bit better on the show. It's something that we that we pride ourselves in here um, is asking good questions that other people don't uh, ask. So, what part of um, the city you live in? I'm uh, over Northwest, like 10 minutes South of Summerlin by Ikea.
2: No, exactly where you're at. I'm in Summerland.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I'll shoot oh, you we'll shoot... Get
2: together for sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I'll shoot you an email when we get out air. Maybe we can Let's do uh, that. Meet up Absolutely. Man. It's been
2: my pleasure. Believe me,
0: Jeff is a lot of fun, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks. Take it easy.